In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Really nice to see all of you, especially those of you who have come to be with your mom on Mother's Day. Great to have you with us today. You, you know how in Star Wars... Why are you laughing? <laughs> you don't even know what I've said yet. So, you know, they made episode four, five, and six before they made episode one, two, and three. And I don't know about you, but that is just caused endless confusion in our house. Whenever we're talking about the first Star Wars, you mean the first one they made or the first one in the series and the one that they made beforehand? I don't know. You, do you have this problem? Or is it just, maybe it's just my own neurosis. But I, um, I, the order of service today has created a similar glitch. I don't know if you noticed it. Uh, in our readings today, the lesson that we had is that was the very beginning of the book of Acts. The gospel, the very end of the book of Luke. Now, normally you wouldn't read the very beginning of a volume two before you read the end of a, uh, of a volume one. Uh, but as it happens, our lesson in Acts is the very beginning of St. Luke's volume two. And if you know that St. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and we read that just before the very end of Luke's volume one, which was his gospel. So what we have in our lesson, which we read first is Luke picking up where he left off, which we read second. (laughs) And and so if that's not confusing enough, what he's talking about in both of those is the ascension, the ascension of Jesus. Now, I don't know, uh, again, I mean, just, I don't know about you, but I just look at that and I just think, what? I mean, Jesus just lifts up into the sky and it's just hard, that's one of those, it's just hard to put yourself on the scene there. It might seem like a strange, maybe even unimportant uh, part of the Jesus story. Hard to know where that part of the Jesus story intersects with our own story. I mean, no one sent you a happy Ascension Day card, right? It's just, we just don't know what to do with it. You get uh, Christmas cards or Easter cards. We kind of know what to do with those. But Ascension... I mean, Jesus was raised from the dead. That's crazy enough, right? But Jesus floats up into the sky. No wires, no cranes, no special effects. It's confusing. And we don't intuitively know what to do with it. Or at least, at least I don't. It makes me think of David Blaine. You know, the famous street magician. And he freaks people out. I mean, just people are crying or, or uh, screaming when he, he's a street magician. And he... And he floats up like like halfway just like like this he just kind of floats up but but he like a foot and and even watching it on YouTube I mean you can't see there's he doesn't do it in front of a step where he does some trick where he's you can't he he just floats and it, people are crying and it's crazy but this what Jesus is not Jesus is not performing a street trick like he he doesn't stop at a foot in the air he he goes all the way and the disciples, they don't really even seem to be freaked out, do they? they? They, I mean, I feel like I would be. But I mean, I guess at this point, they've seen it all, right? I mean, he raised from the dead, and, and, and he's, they know he's God, and he can kind of do what he wants. They're not screaming. They're just, they're just worshiping. Worshiping. And it may be the fact that at this point in, in the story, Jesus' divinity is sort of a given for these guys. And so... Uh, and, and so St. Luke actually 
gives more airtime to the conversation that Jesus has with the disciples than he gives to the actual physical ascension. And so mainly we want to look at the lesson from Acts. We want to ask, that's Luke's volume two, we want to, we want to ask three questions. What does Luke want us to know about the ascension? Second, what does it mean? And third, why does it matter? So what does he want us to know? What does it mean? Why does it matter? So first, what does Luke want us to know? So the disciples are gathered here with the resurrected Jesus. It's about 40 days after the resurrection. And the disciples are getting antsy. I mean, Jesus has been teaching. They've been hanging out with with him, but they're just like, what's next, right? When are we going to finish talking? Let's, let's do something, Jesus. And so they, they ask him, Lord, is this the time? Is this the time that, where you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, that's actually an ignorant question. Because, I mean, after all this time with Jesus, after all his teaching about the kingdom of God, these disciples seem to be still be looking for a return to the glory days of King David. Uh, They are looking for an ethnic, national, geographic kingdom with secure borders and peace within, right? And we can, it's ignorant, but we can hardly blame them because they have never seen or heard of a kingdom like the one Jesus is talking about. They've never experienced a kingdom where the boundaries are not marked according to land mass, but according to the hearts and souls of people. They've never imagined a king that did not sit on a throne in a palace right here on good old earth. And so they've got this picture in their minds of what a kingdom looks like. And so they say, Jesus, will you restore the kingdom now? Will you? Jesus says, no, you will. You will. He gives them a promise and a charge. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the promise. And you will be my witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. That's the charge. A promise and a charge. He says, essentially, I'm putting unlimited gas in the car, kids, and here are the keys. (laughs) And he takes off floats up into the sky. And I just imagine the disciples just going, okay, oh my, what do we do now? What do we do now? So I think Luke wants us to know that Jesus has given a promise that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and a charge that you will be my witnesses. And the reason he wants us to know these things is because that same promise and that same charge are given to you and to me. You will receive the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean? The one, one thing it means is that the kingdom of God is a completely new kind of kingdom. It's a completely new kind of kingdom. It's not advanced by a declaration of war or by powerful soldiers uh, as the disciples expected. And rather, the kingdom of God is advanced by a declaration of grace given by faithful witnesses who operate in the strength and the power of His Holy Spirit. These are ambassadors. These are willing and wanting witnesses to tell the the Jesus story with gracious deeds and faithful words. So, that's one thing. Another thing that this means 
this promise and this charge is that the kingdom of God is not limited to a particular place or time, right? Across the world, in any place, in any ethnicity, at any time throughout the centuries. And this involves the ascension itself. I mean, think about a, a bottle rocket, right? It goes up in one place, but it explodes in beauty over a wide area, right? So Jesus' ascension is like that, but sort of on a cosmic scale. Uh, if he had stayed on earth, he could only be in one place at a time. Just like that little bottle rocket. If you want to see the bottle rocket, you've got to go right where it is. And only those who are physically near Jesus could have access to him. And, it, you know, we could take a pilgrimage or something like that to go see him, but, but we could never be assured of his constant presence with us, his abiding with us, his promise to be with us always. But like that little bottle rocket, Jesus rose up so that his presence could explode across time and space. He rose up then so he could be with us now. He rose up by himself so that he could be with all of us. He rose up bodily so that he could be with us spiritually. He rose up finitely so that he could be with us infinitely. He rose up in that time and in that place so that he could be with us in every time and in every place. The kingdom of God is not limited. And so it follows that the promise of the Holy Spirit and this charge to be witnesses, that another thing it means is that Jesus intends that the world will hear about him. I mean, that's, that's our job. It, that's, it's actually part of how uh, he so loved the world. That in his strength and in his power, that we will be witnesses that he has given his one and only son, that whoever perishes, uh, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so when I say that we will be his witnesses, like I'm not saying go quit your day job and get a sandwich board that says turn or burn and go out on San Jose. Like that's, not, that's not what I mean. That's kind of sometimes the image, uh, this extreme image, but what I mean is that we are to be aware of our faith beyond ourselves. Aware of our faith beyond ourselves. Because we are not merely consumers of grace, we are ambassadors of it. Distributors of His grace. Like we don't have a church life over here, but then a social life over here, and a work life over here, or whatever else. Like our whole life is our Christian life. Jesus owns it all. And so, I mean, I heard a, a fellow pastor who was talking recently about fat sheep, and, and meaning sheep, members of the flock, that eat and eat and eat from the, the hand of the good shepherd, but never take any time to burn off those calories doing the good shepherd's work. Fat sheep. That sounds like a guilt trip. I don't mean it to be. Let me, let me say that these disciples, they're hearing this from the lips of the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Like it's all grace, right? There is no you'd better. There's no or else. Like Jesus dealt with that on the cross. It is, uh, it is, there is no condition to his love. This is an invitation, an excited invitation to participate in the greatest plan of world takeover ever. Now, if you feel and I don't know if you do. I mean, there's a lot of you that do a lot of great things. But if you feel like you might be one of those fat sheep, 
eating from the, the hand of the good shepherd, but never burning off those calories. Don't go in a diet and stop eating from the hand of the good shepherd. Right? Just start exercising the calories. Doing his work. Wherever you have a sphere of influence. Maybe it's, it's at work or it's, your, it's your, uh, at school or in your neighborhood. It's on the tennis court. It's the PTA. Uh, in the grocery line, you're not pushy. You're just kind. You're gracious. You're generous. And when there is an opportunity to share or to invite them to come along, you take it. I don't know. I mean, I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about what that looks like. If, you, if you'd be interested in that, you're not really sure how to do that. I know it sounds scary because we're Episcopalians, right? Our favorite verse on evangelism is when Jesus said, don't tell anybody who I am, right? That's, that's what we, but we need to pray about that, right? We need to, I mean, I'll encourage you, ask God, ask God in your prayers, how can I glorify you where you have put me? Where you have put me, how can I glorify you there? This is, I mean, if we're about anything as Episcopalians, we're about, we are about working for the good of others, right? And so if you are, if you are working uh, for the good of others and the opportunity arises, then we, uh, we share unashamedly that it is because Jesus has been so good uh, to us. And so the ascension shows us that the kingdom of God is spiritual and not geographic. It's unlimited in terms of time and space. And it tells us that the world, uh, Jesus intended the world to hear about him. But we got to ask, like, why does that matter? And so what, right? I mean, I've got, I, why does the ascension of Jesus and the promise of the Spirit and the charge to be witnesses matter when i got six places to be at once? And i got a marriage that's tough and I've got an ailing parent and a kid that I can't control. And why does it matter when I've got a promotion that I'm shooting for and a house that I can't quite afford and a boss that's never satisfied? Tell me, preacher, what does this part of the Jesus story have to do with my story right now? Well, I think that the thing to say here is that on the night before he died, that Jesus told his disciples that it was actually to their advantage that he go away. Like, it's better to have the Holy Spirit than it is to have Jesus. It's, it, if he, it's to their advantage because when he goes away, they get the Holy Spirit. And see, the moment that you gave your life to Christ, you, even if you're not quite sure when that was, you have the Holy Spirit. It was given to you. That's the promise. That's Jesus' promise. You will get the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and in me. It matters. Because the Holy Spirit is, in fact, the way that Jesus is with you always, even to the end of the age. See, this is a, this is a promise of peace. We have peace with God because Jesus died for our sins. There's nothing separating us now from God. He, we have been reconciled. We have peace now because uh, we have the presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit living in us through good times and through bad times. I will be with you through the valley of the shadow, he says. And we have peace because there's always hope. I mean, the angels said he's coming back, right? He is coming back. I don't know what it's going to look like. 
I mean, I hope it, I really, he says, just like he can't, just like he went away. I mean, I hope CNN or, you know, Fox News or whichever one you watch that catches Jesus coming down one day. I don't think it's going to be in our lifetime. We'll see. I hope it's tonight. That'd be awesome. But I don't know. But, but the thing that I know about that is that there's always hope in death, no matter what. Nothing has the last word except for this. He's coming back. So we have, it's a promise of peace. And it's also a promise of purpose, right? What an unspeakable privilege that he wants to incorporate us into his mission. You and me. The theologian named Christopher Wright said this. He said, it's not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but rather God has a church for his mission in the world. Say that again. It's not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. And you and I get to be part of that mission. The, the ascension declares it. I mean, we're, just not, we're not just consumers of grace. We are witnesses, ambassadors, right? It's not, we're not just fans in the stands. We are players on the field. And so to be his witnesses in the world is simply to live in step with the spirit that is within you participating in Christ's mission according to your gifts and talents and passions and abilities. And it's, it's joy. It's, I mean, it's a gift. It's grace. There's a prayer in our prayer book that says His service is perfect freedom. So what are your gifts? What are your talents and your passions? Who are the neighbors around you that need, to, that need you to be an ambassador of the love of Jesus? So the ascension might seem confusing to us, right? But here's the bottom line. Jesus rose then to be with you now, to give you the Holy Spirit so that you may be appointed as a witness of His grace. Amen?